Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizard, creator of Overcome Your Fear of Flight in 30 Days. And today's special guest is Erin Douglas. Erin, uh, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> there is a slight delay, I think, that possibly because you're about a million miles away from me, which is amazing. So I have no idea what the time is where you are, but thank you for making the time to speak to me today. It is nearly seven o'clock and I think there is a small delay, but I don't think it's too bad cool. considering the distance. No, amazing. So <laughs> a lot of people probably will be familiar with you if they have a fear of flying because you have, you have a ton of followers on instagram which is just like remarkable and we're it's something an area we're trying to grow and i can't take any credit for it because hannah's doing that and hannah's the one that introduced me to you uh, <laughs> vicariously and just said this, this person is amazing check her out so so i'm so pleased that you're able to spare the time to talk to us today yeah it's great uh, perhaps you could just tell thanks hannah <laughs> yeah, she's amazing uh, perhaps you could tell the listeners a little bit about your kind of story how you've got to where you are now yeah of course so I um, have had well I did have a fear of flying for my whole life it was quite bad Um, it wasn't just a little fear it was a a full-blown phobia I could barely even step on an aircraft even just seeing one fly by in the sky would just um, send me into a panic Um, I did I think what's typical of most people with a phobia and I had the panic attacks and you know complete with the crying and I couldn't breathe and it was very dramatic (laughs) and and I just it stopped me from doing a ton of stuff that I wanted to do it stopped me from going to see friends and family and traveling overseas Um, I had some opportunities that I said no to traveling overseas and I would have really loved to have done that so I think I just I got to a point, it's really corny actually, but it was a New Year's resolution and I thought, Excellent. I actually, I've, I've, still got the, I've still got the note that I wrote in as well. It was like, I just wanted to be able to be okay on a plane. I didn't have high hopes for myself. I just wanted to get to the point where I could at least do it, even if it wasn't completely without fear. And so when we, we were actually overseas on holiday and I had a terrifying flight back for no other reason other than that's just the phobia the flight was actually fine and um, and then my husband has always wanted to learn to fly he's never been scared and so he booked into an information session at an airfield like with all the little tiny planes and I just went along because I was curious and then we ended up booking uh, a trial flight or a discovery flight as you might know it over there and um, went along and then got a little bit hooked after that I thought maybe I can do this really so you've literally gone from phobic uh, to getting on a plane and thinking an airplane and thinking oh I'm gonna learn how to fly one of these yeah so I thought instead of doing it instead of getting over my phobia with the the large passenger jets I would just um actually I think it was better for me to do it in the small aircraft because it was more intimate I could learn um in an in, or I could get over my phobia in an environment where I wasn't surrounded with people 
um, which was contributing to my fear. So it was just me, an instructor, and learning the ins and outs of the aircraft, which is, I think, the reason why I was scared in the first place. I had no idea how an aircraft worked, how they fly, what the noises were. All of that was terrifying. Yeah. So because the interesting thing for me is I often tell people not to do what you've just done. <laughs> but but it depends what the, the root of the fear is. because. <laughs> You know, if you don't know what the things are and you need to understand it to feel like you're more in control of what's happening, then it's probably a good route. But if you don't like turbulence and movement, I would say it's not the best route because they obviously mm-hmm. move a ton, a, a load more than a commercial aircraft would, wouldn't they? So, yes. So how did you get over it? Which yes. you, you've got this phobic reaction, which would have been any aircraft. So you've had to you've stepped onto a little aircraft with one pilot, no backup pilots or anything like that. How on earth did you manage that? (laughs) Very slowly and with a lot of fear. But I think for me, I reached the point where I was absolutely sick of myself. I was so sick of it that Mm. I felt like I needed to do something really really out there like really dramatic to try and get over this was like the last ditch effort for me um, to try and get over it and I just went into it like the full way and just thought well I'm just going to immerse myself see what happens oh my that is pretty impressive isn't it let's be honest just so is that the way you kind of would you suggest that would work for others just to kind of go just go for it um I think you really have to be ready I think I'm not sure whether a course uh, with large passenger jets and and stuff like that would have really benefited me because I think the root of my fear came from not not having control. And so when the second I was in control and I know you mentioned the turbulence and the turbulence on the large passenger aircraft still scares me because I can't see outside properly. But when you're in the small aircraft, you have such good visibility around you that you can see that you're not actually moving that much. It feels like it, but your you can your vision of the horizon is from it's you know from your right all the way in front to your left, so you can see so much. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I know when I was talking to Captain Steve, his colleague that I work with on this, we often talk about this because if you can see then you can calibrate, can't you? Even though you can't calibrate against a fluffy cloud, you can kind of look at the altimeter, you can look around and you've got all those visual things to give you extra information. But So that's interesting. So Mm -hmm. when you're on a large, so you still don't like turbulence, but you're fine in a small one. That's really interesting. Absolutely. I can deal with maximum turbulence in small aircraft because when I'm in control, obviously I have all of my instruments and all of my vision and I'm confident in my skills, but on a large aircraft, there's still someone else flying with you. They're obviously they're flying you. They're obviously very skilled, but there's still that element of separation. You don't know who they are, and also you can't see. I uh, there's no way I could close my uh, window shutter on a large aircraft. Still, just it's so disorientating. My head starts to spin. I can't yeah. do it. I need to be able to see outside. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's great. I, I always say to people that's the best thing you can do because you're because you're losing that you know you become just you're in a tube and you've no idea where you are and you you know quite potentially you could be yeah. at a weird angle and you would have no clue you'd have no clue because you're just going along wouldn't you exactly Whereas, yeah. yeah that's really interesting so you wouldn't know yeah yeah it's so right where you could be at any orientation apart from obviously upside down because you would know about it but you could be at a really weird angle and you just wouldn't 
you just would have no idea. It's so disorientating when you can't, you, you don't have that view of the horizon or anything. Um, your mind just starts to, well, I know that I get really dizzy if I can't see outside. Yeah, exactly. Well, which is normal, isn't it? It's a normal kind of human mm. thing. I'm really curious about the the decision point. I think that's really fascinating to me. So, you know, you've been phobic. You, you've obviously been yep. very scared for a long time. You said all your life. So it sounds like something that you, mm-hmm. you don't remember not being scared. No. So there's a bunch of questions for me, which I think are really interesting. So, for example, do you know what why you were scared? What triggered it? How it started? Being asked a lot, and I don't really remember anything in particular that triggered it but the earliest memory that I have of being scared was after September 11 because as a kid I remember watching it on the news Mm. and I thought my god that's terrible that was the first plane disaster I'd ever seen and that I think it put in my head as a child obviously you're very impressionable and you don't you don't really understand what's gone on you you just see planes crashing and you don't know why and then um I think from then on I was just really really scared what if that happened then I became scared of people on planes as well as it was explained to me as a child because you just you can't grasp what's going on properly as a child so I think that when something like that happens and you're seeing it it just yeah it just set that fear reaction in me and then um I always couldn't get out of it yeah yeah I mean, which is totally understandable. Did did you notice the fear extending to other areas of your life? Did it, did it spread into like trains or it can't being in cars or anything like that? It spread in terms of I became an anxious person mm. around people, just distrustful in general of strangers. I never, I've never been someone that likes public transport. I've had a bunch of therapy around anxiety and just trying to work out how to deal with it and taking things in tiny, tiny steps, yeah. sometimes just thinking about the next minute, that's all, and just really yeah. breaking it down. Mm. It's gotten a lot better now, but still I think it's just something that's just going to be there that you just work through yeah. <laughs> slowly. <laughs> yeah, many people will live with the different levels of anxiety because there's a certain amount which is just normal you know it keeps us yeah. alive and then there's a bit above that and then there's out of control anxiety which stops you even living yeah. your life and it sounds like you've kind of come from that that furthest place and come right back which is which is awesome so tell me about the decision point then what did it take for you to go enough is enough what talk me through that again because I think that's really I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that Oh, how deep do we want to go? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> as much as you want to say. <laughs> um, oh, there was a point in my avoidance of flying where I considered that death might be a better option than having to mm. get on a plane. Mm. And that's when I realised, wow, I'm having these thoughts. This is the point that I'm at with my anxiety of a flying where I'm actually considering I'm so desperate to get out of that situation that I would consider something like that. And so it really made me think about what I can do because also I didn't want my husband to have to deal with that. He dealt for a long time with my fear and it had prevented him from doing a lot of stuff as well. So I had another person to think about um, in my life. But, yeah, it was really at that point when I found myself considering something of that magnitude to get out of flying that I thought this is completely out of control mm. like something has to give mm. 
yeah so yeah I, well that, that makes sense to me because sometimes we have to sort of it sounds a bit cheesy but get leverage on ourselves you know and it yeah and we'll humans generally will move away from discomfort and pain more readily yes than towards yeah. pleasure you know so saying to people oh just you know look at these statistics it's really safe and mm-hmm. just imagine going on holiday that does work for some people but not many I find it takes yeah. exactly what you've described as that real pain discomfort the impact upon you and everybody mm-hmm. else and you get to a point where you just go do you know what I'm sick and tired of this you know and I'm going to do something about it so what was your first so you went with yes. this with your your partner to the the airport You've got on a small aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I find them, to be honest, I've had some flying lessons, uh, not as many as you, but I I find them, uh, unless it's a modern glass cockpit, you know, like so you get those ones with the twin engines, I do have to talk myself, really give myself a yeah. to talking to, because I did a lesson not long ago in a local airfield, and this aircraft looked like it was about 900 years old, you know, and I was just thinking, I was looking at the pilot and he was about 900 years old as well. And I thought, what if he snuffs it? And then I'm stuck in here with one hour's training. What the hell will I do? You know? So I think I thought, oh, this is kind of, this is a reasonable level of fear, but I still did it. I just thought, well, I can't do this type of stuff and then be a fake, but I've, I didn't find it very comfortable. I didn't like the turbulence because it just didn't like the movement was just like, Oh my God. He said, oh, do you mind a bit of wind? And I was like, no, nah, yeah. bring it on. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but you've gone past that. So you're like superhuman. So what about now? So are you tell me about how far you've gone with the, the piloting side of stuff. Uh, so now, um, well, I have my RPL, which is my recreational pilot license here. So we have something called a recreational pilot certificate and that's kind of the first baby step and you fly Mm. you know it's kind of like flying for fun and then when you want to get a little bit more serious you convert your license but I've just done that now and it's just it's taken me a long time I'm still not comfortable necessarily with flying alone so it's taking me a little longer than most people I know that there's a lot of people that don't come from fear that are very excited to fly alone and they're confident and they're comfortable, but I still feel like I need that person there for safety. Mm. Mm. So you, but you're well on the way, aren't you? So what, what's, what's the goal in terms of your, your own flying? Well, I have two goals, really. I, what my first goal is to become an instructor. I'd really like to teach people and I'd really love to show people that there's a path out of fear of flying I'd like it if I was able to teach someone one day that was kind of like a bit like me Mm. um even Mm. and sort of have that satisfaction of the kind of full circle thing I guess and um and see someone progress from the point where I was to the point where I am now would be really great and to be a part of that journey and then the second goal which is slightly more long term is to fly for Royal Flying Doctors I'd really like to give back to the community um, and combine flying with giving back in that way. I've never wanted to do it for myself. I've always wanted to help pass it on in some way, whether that's helping other people learn or helping other people um, in that sort of medical sector. I feel like having a purpose that's more than just for me is really Mm. meaningful. Mm. I love that. That's just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. 
and as I, I agree you know teach, and also teaching others is is very rewarding and particularly if you've you'll have yeah. high empathy because you've been there now that's brilliant and then doing yes. the flying doctor stuff that's just awesome I mean I think having a purpose which is bigger than you is very motivating mm-hmm. for people and it you know it can come from I guess yeah. you hate flat you hate the impact upon others but you've you've got that and you've also got this bigger thing where you want to give back to the community I think I think that's phenomenal how long do you think how far away do you think that is from happening oh potentially within the next 10 years it's just something that takes a lot of experience and time to build these things but instructing is kind of a a goal that I can achieve relatively soon so Mm. at least I can make a start on one of my goals yeah no that's brilliant and we'll we'll definitely be following you to sort of see what your your journey's like and it would be amazing if we could if you'd Mm. come back when you're further along and talk to us again if you're, you're able to do that Yes, I will. One of the things I always like to ask people who I'm privileged to talk to on the podcast is sort of top tips to give people, because people who listen to this, and there are a lot of, we're just, I think at the turn, we're just at 12,000 downloads now in in a year. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad, but to me, it's it's phenomenal to think all these people are listening. So uh, I'm massively Mm. grateful and and really, I don't really care what other people get. As long as I know there's people being helped and this will be very helpful to people. Exactly. So, so thinking of those individuals will be in different places. Some will be where you are. Some will be a bit further on. Some will be behind, yeah. etc. What sort of advice would you would you give from your experience? I think definitely you need to tackle your fear in a way that works for you. I think if you know your personality, whether you go down the path of a course where you're in the classroom and you're learning, whether that would be beneficial. I mean, not everyone wants to Mm. actually fly themselves. Some people just want to do it for holidays and like to do that with ease. So that might be beneficial for them to learn about the larger aircraft and to speak with the captains and people that are flying with them, if that works for them, or if people are want to tackle it like me, I think, um, I think I would call it extreme exposure. That's <laughs> definitely work out, <laughs> work out what what's going to work for you, even if it does take trying out a few things. Um, you have to not. I would say not listen to the pressures that other people are putting on you to get over your fear as well. Um, for a long time, I was made fun of, and I was the butt of jokes. Which, it, yeah, mm. I was the one that wouldn't fly and would miss out, and that hurt because I I think that people don't realize how hard it is to try and get over yeah. a phobia, especially if they've never had one. Yeah. So try and block out what other people are, are saying to you. Even if it's just, it's usually people that love you that are just, they don't mean anything by it. They're just making jokes, but it's, it's still hurtful. So block yeah. it out, go on your own journey and take the time that you need to do it. But I think if you do get to the point where you decide you want to get over your phobia, to really apply yourself to getting over it and to do it for you. Like you're not going to get over your phobia if it's for someone else. You have to be doing it for you first and foremost, and that's what's going to drive you. Yeah, I love that. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, I've got an idea. You know, some of those people that were, you know, take the piss out of you, you could uh, take <laughs> them up. When you've got your full, you know, your full license, you could take them up and just do a few stunts with them just to get your own back. Just- <laughs> it's just a, just an idea you know 
just for those relatives. Thank you. Yeah, no, you can have that, you know, just uh, stick it to them. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just show you what I used to go through. The family and friends are going to be very impressed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, think, I think you're right. People do, they mean well, but they don't realise uh, we used to say, because I, I used to run those massive courses, you know, this one day things with like 250 people on them. And and they were massively helpful for people because people would support each other. But sometimes I'd notice one of the yes. worst things that would happen was that they'd bring a partner along for a flight at the end. And depending on what that person was like, <laughs> they could actually make it worse because they could almost undo all the work. Without meaning to, you know, just yes. and I think so. I think they mean, I don't think it's ever yes, done intentional. Yeah. I mean, you do get some people no. that want you to stay the same. They kind of they've they know you what you like when you start changing your behaviors and doing yes. different things. It can be quite scary for them, can't it? Mm-hmm. I found that through starting my page as well. A lot of people don't like to see change and growth, but um, as long as you know that it's something that's positive for you, I think it's it becomes easy to block that out and to just, you know, you notice, you get to know these things anyway, who's just kind of trying to bring you down out of fear of you changing. And that's a real thing. I think it happens to all of us. Um, We get stuck in our ways and we get stuck with how the people are around us and we don't want them to change. Sometimes it's hard, but Mm. I think, yeah, to just, yeah, when it comes to getting over a fear, you really do have to be a little bit selfish and make sure that, you're doing all the right things for you because it takes time and it takes a different amount of time for every person. Some people can take years and others might take months and it's just a different process for every person. It's so individual. You can't compare your own journey to anyone else's. Oh, I love that. Totally. We are are violently agreeing there. Totally. I always think it's, you've got to do it one step at a time, chip away at it. It's something I often say to people and uh, and there is, isn't a race. Oh, mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. It's obviously that your your sincerity and authenticity and the way you're going about this is, is why you've got so many followers on Instagram and stuff. Because people can suss out whether someone's a fake, can't they? Even with, if you're putting stuff yes. up, over time you start to see enough reels and vids and things. You think, oh, yeah. no, this person's just doing it for that. I mean, you've got a tremendous following now, which is amazing amazing so uh, do you have a goal for that or is it just are you not too worried about that no I've never really been worried about the numbers I'm kind of a quality over quantity I didn't expect very much and I was also very scared of first putting myself online and putting myself out there it's something that got easier with time I always knew that I wanted to share the real story I didn't want to hide anything and so sometimes that means that there's multiple posts in a row where I'm not necessarily very happy I'm not an account or a person that will put anything out there that is fake I'll always try I think that's been the best feedback that I've got I love getting messages and comments when people say oh I can relate to that or I didn't realize that anyone else felt like that it's because Mm. no one else is actually putting it out there I mean it takes I think a certain level of bravery especially these days with so many opinions and so much bullying and so much attacking online yeah you do have to be brave to put out the true story and the truth of my story is that 
there's a lot of downs. <laughs> and so I didn't want to just have a highlight reel. I mean, the pictures look like a highlight reel, but if you read the caption, you'll realize that there's a, a full story behind that. And even with that story, it's still just scratching the surface. Yeah, yeah. I think that's obviously what people love about following you is how authentic it is. And it isn't just all uh, sunny side up. It's that the, the real story behind it because most people when I talk to them there there's always a struggle going on we don't know about and that's just life you know as a coach I've yes. found that to be true and it's just the level of how crap it is at the time isn't it <laughs> it's just different for different people there's yeah. always something isn't there in the background going on and I love the fact that you've been so brave uh, to share all of that stuff at, at the risk of well, what happens today with people, trolls, I think, what they call them, is that the current term? I don't know. But just the fact that I think that you we get, call them trolls. And it's... That's the polite version, yeah. <laughs> We've got other names for it. But this is me. I know I've experienced it myself. I, I often go, when I put stuff up there, I thought, who the hell am I to be doing this? And and I can see that there's a similar vibe there with you, that you're just, there's a risk to sort of putting these things out there because... I put something yes. up once and I, I remember I got my first comment. I thought, oh, I can't wait. You know, so I looked at it. It was a really long comment. I thought, oh, wow. can't. And it was somebody just literally pulling it all apart. And I just thought, how is that helpful? You know, what's that about? So I just think I think it's massively brave. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's uh, it's helping a lot of people, people you'll never know. Probably will just will follow mm -hmm. and you'll never. But so, yeah, keep doing it. So if, if anybody if there are like three or four people on the planet that don't know about you, what do they need to search for if they want to find you? They just need to search for Flying With Erin, just the one word on Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page, don't really use it. I find it so hard to maintain one social mm. media, let alone mm. two. Yeah. But, so I'm mainly on Instagram and I welcome anyone, anyone that's, it's not even aviation. I think it's just sometimes my posts just go on a tangent of their own and they could be helpful for other reasons. I feel like there's a lot of people that don't fly and aren't really interested in aviation that follow my page just because it's genuine. And I think it's just refreshing to have just, yeah, something genuine. On uh, It's hard to find, actually. I find the, the longer I look on social media, the less genuine I get <laughs> in my face. And I just think, well... I would just love it if there were more pages that would just speak how it really is, how you're mm. really feeling. I think mm. that it's that vulnerability that connects people. And I've found so many good, beautiful new connections just through sharing the truth. Yeah. No, well, Erin, keep doing what you're doing. It's phenomenal. Like I say, you're helping more people than you'll ever know. And that's how we found you. And, and, you know, and Hannah, thank you again to <laughs> Hannah for pointing me towards you but she's been following you for ages and oh, I just think it's great what you do so and a massive massive thank you for giving us your time today I really appreciate it you're welcome it was fun I hope that I can come back in the future oh we'd love that yeah definitely we'd love it yeah come back well, anytime it's open door whenever you want to come on uh, yes. you, it's really I interesting <laughs> I think your journey and the way that you've you've faced it and the fact that you're not afraid to share that and you've come from somewhere very dark uh, to be able to do what you're doing. It's just massively inspiring. So thank you. Keep doing it. It's brilliant.
Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.